Welcome back to Instant Mom, navigating solo adoptive and foster motherhood while attempting a go at sanity. I thought for today's episode, I would just sort of catch everybody up on what we've been up to and maybe you're new to our story. So just to catch you up on who we are and and what we've been doing in our foster care and adoptive journey. I should start out by saying I have a habit of always saying we when I refer to parenting, but it's just me. As you could probably tell from the podcast, I am a solo mom. Uh, I do not have a partner, although I would really like to find a partner. Um, So when I say we, some people are like, wait, did I miss the news? Are you dating somebody? Are you engaged? And I'm like, oh no, I just had a boss really early in my career who drilled it into my head to never say I. Everything was always we. And so now I default to we when it's really just me. Um, So for those of you who don't know, I have been fostering for four years now and I cannot believe it has been four years. It really feels like it's gone by in, you know, six months. It's kind of crazy. I started fostering because I wanted to be a temporary mom. I actually had no intention of adopting. In fact, I was 3,000% sure I did not want to adopt. I did not want to be a forever mother, um, whether it was a biological child or an adoptive child or a stepchild. I really just wanted the temporary experience of motherhood. I loved kids. I've always loved kids. I uh, was an elementary ed major before I realized that that would mean I would be poor the rest of my life. Um, I worked as a nanny all through and after college. Um, So I've always really loved kids, but I was really afraid of being a forever mom, of giving up all of this freedom that I had, of traveling whenever I wanted to and spending money on anything that I wanted to and sleeping all weekend and staying out really late and all the things that I would love to do again. Um, but I, I, I wanted to experience motherhood in some form. And I was working at an advertising agency at the time. I've worked in advertising agencies um, and then in corporate communications for 15 years now. And one of my clients was a foster care agency. And so through the work on that client, I learned about foster care. I learned there was a desperate need for foster parents here in Indiana. And I sort of filed it in the back of my brain and thought, you know, someday when I'm in a financial position to do so, and I'm a little bit more mature, I'd really like to be a foster parent. And then one day it was around the holidays. um, So probably four, well, almost exactly four years ago. I just started thinking about it again. I thought, you know, I have a job that is really flexible. I could work from home and I was making really good money and I had an extra bedroom in my little apartment downtown. And I thought, I think it could be the right time to look into being a foster parent. And the more I looked into it, the more I realized, uh, yeah, I can actually do this. In fact, one of the reasons why I decided to start a foster podcast in the first place when I started one three years ago was because when I was initially researching foster parenting, I found a podcast that a couple um, had done about their foster parent journey, um, and they have since stopped doing that podcast, but they had, um, I think, a couple of hundred episodes, and I remember I binged listened to all of them in like a one-week span. Um, I was, I, it was on, 
it was during Christmas break and I'd taken a bunch of time off from work and I was just like cleaning my house and cooking and shopping. And I would just listen to that podcast, um, in the background whenever I was just doing something mindless and they are how I learned so much about foster care. And so I thought, man, if I could even just inspire one or two people with some information or perspective that I give on my experience, that would be amazing. Um, so shout out to that podcast. That was really great. And I can't, I can't remember the name of the podcast now. I think it was just called the foster parent podcast. Um, and it was Tim was the guy's name. I can't remember the woman's name. I will find that and I will report back to you. They deleted almost all of their episodes. Um, as their girls who they eventually adopted got older, I think they realized that they didn't want all of their story out there. So they deleted a lot, but they still have a few episodes out there. And it was so very helpful. Um, so anyway, the more I researched it, the more I realized, yeah, I think I can actually do this. And um, I think I shocked, I don't think, I know I shocked everybody when I broke the news that I was going to become a foster parent. Um, it was just not something that anybody in my friend group had ever done. And I don't think I was known as somebody who was particularly maternal or in a position to, um, be a mom. Uh, and my mom was actually really, um, against it. And I have since learned that this is somewhat typical of parents, especially of single women who decide to foster, um, we actually had a really big falling out and she didn't speak to me for a few weeks and she was really upset with me, uh, because I think she was afraid of what I was getting myself into. And she raised me largely as a single parent. And I think she remembered how hard it was for her and was just terrified that I would go through the same thing. And of course I was completely naive about how difficult it would be. I, I could list off reasons why it would be difficult. I remember I wrote a blog post when I first started out before I had actually received my first placement. And I was like, you know, one thing that I'm really worried about is how am I going to like unload groceries from my car when I'm having, when I'm holding a baby? Because at the time I lived in a, a second floor apartment building and that was like my big conundrum. Like, man, I don't know how I'm going to tackle that. Um, which don't get me wrong, that was a challenge to figure out. And it still is a challenge to figure out, like, how do I logistically do all of these things with one set of hands um, that is usually holding a baby or a toddler? But I think it's just funny that that was one of my bigger concerns. Um, but so yeah, she was really unhappy and really discouraged me and tried to talk me out of it and was super against it. And even now she gets a little anxious when I tell her that we want to take in another placement, which I'll get to later. Um, eventually she came around and, um, she is Jack's, my son, Jack's biggest fan, and they are the best of friends. And he's obsessed with grandma and grandma is obsessed with him. And she just could not be more in love, but it was a really rough go, uh, in the beginning when I told her. Uh, but yeah, I, I was determined that I was going to get licensed in the fastest time possible. I had heard that licensing could sometimes take six months or longer, and it is the most archaic, antiquated system in the world, which I will talk about in another podcast episode about um, how you actually become a foster parent. 
But, you know, at the time I was like, I'm going to get certified so quickly and uh, everything's going to go my way and I'm very type A and I can manage this. Um, But all told, it took about five months from the time that I began taking my classes until the time that I was actually licensed. Um, But in those four years that I've been a foster parent, I've had eight different placements, all infants or toddlers, um, several babies that uh, I picked up right from the hospital after they were born, and then a few older infants and um, then a toddler as well. A lot of people ask, you know, okay, can you foster if you're only interested in babies? And the answer is yes. Unfortunately, thanks to the opioid epidemic, there are so many newborns that are born with drugs in their system who are removed from their mothers at birth. And there is a huge need for families that will take in these little ones. Um, And they have some very specific needs, which again, we will get to. So, uh, so yeah, uh, Jack, my adopted son, was placement number five. All of the placements before Jack had either been reunited successfully with their um, birth parents or a member of their birth family. And so I never really had the option to um, adopt or even think about adopting any of the children that were placed with me. Um, but even if I did have the option, I was still very much, you know, my role is to be a foster parent, to be a temporary mommy, to care for them and love them as hard as I can, and then um, to either pass them on to their biological family if the court deems that is a, a good path for them, or to pass them on to an adoptive family who really does want to give them a forever home. And that was my plan. And then, as one friend said, my plot twist came along, and that was was Jack. Um, I'll probably dedicate an entire episode just to talking about um, Jack's case specifically and how he came to me, um, but it was really instant love. Uh, I always feel weird saying that because it makes it sound like I did not love all the other little kiddos I cared for, and let me tell you, every time a kid would leave my home, I would sob. Every single time I would go over to my mom's house and I would cry like a baby because I would be so heartbroken that they were gone and I would miss them so much. And, you know, then I'd, I think I would have cleaned up all the kids stuff. And then a couple of weeks later, I'd find a tiny little baby sock behind the sofa and I'd start crying again. But with Jack, it was like, the only thing that I can equate it to is when people say, that they knew when they found the one they were going to marry. They might have had great loves before. They might have had relationships that they were just so heartbroken over when they ended. But there was something just different that you can't quite describe when they met the one. Uh, And I can't relate to that because I am still waiting for that to happen. P.S. If you know any single guys roughly between the ages of 30 and 50 who are liberal, uh, just send them my way, please. (laughs) because Jack needs a daddy. Um, but yeah, I just knew with Jack that there was something different and there was sort of this, uh, peace and calm that we had together. And, uh, at the time that was a really scary feeling because Jack's case was still reunification. Um, so when you foster, the goal is always that the child is reunited with their birth family and the courts and the legal system and the foster parents have to do really everything possible to make that happen and exhaust all sorts of options and attempts and interventions in order for that to happen. 
And it was really scary to feel like Jack could be the one and that something was different with Jack when his goal was still very much to be reunited with his birth parents. But after fostering him for about a year, the courts decided that um, for a multitude of reasons that reunification with his birth parents um, was not a viable option. And uh, to make a very long and very complicated story short, I was able to adopt Jack and our adoption was finalized just this past May. So um, though Jack has been with me all but 90 days of his life, he came to me when he was about three and a half months old. Um, It took until just this past May, a few months ago, to actually finalize the adoption on paper. And now we have the birth certificate that lists me as the mom and we have the same last name. And it is pretty amazing. It's just pretty, pretty amazing. Um, But so you might be thinking, okay, Jack was placement number five, but you said you have fostered eight. So how did that happen? Well, I decided, I got kind of a big ego and decided that uh, I could definitely handle two infants on my own at one time. And so I did um, two short-term placements of infants while I had Jack. And that was really, really difficult. (laughs) And then, surprise, surprise, Jack's birth mom had uh, another baby about this time last year. And that baby was placed into foster care. And uh, we took him home from the hospital and he stayed with us for about four months. And then um, for a lot of reasons that I won't get into, he was moved to another foster home Um, He is still currently in the foster care system, but the great news is is that Jack's birth parents have really made some incredible changes in their lives. They have um, sort of done everything right the past six months or so and had some very important revelations and important behavioral and attitude changes, and they are doing so great and they are on the right path, and baby brother is going to be reunited with them really any day now. They're doing unsupervised visits with him. They're doing overnight visits with him. And it sounds like the goal, according to the judge, is that baby brother, who is now a year old, uh, will be reunified permanently with birth mom and dad by the holidays, which is really, really exciting. Um, But like anything with foster care, it's kind of a double-edged sword it's awesome that that is happening. That means foster care is working the way it should, that um, that baby brother was able to be cared for in a safe place while his parents worked on themselves and that ultimately they got him back. But it, it means it's going to be tricky for Jack as he grows up. You know, um, He has two brothers. He has a half brother who's a year older than him. Um, who is with uh, in the custody of um, that child's father. And now he has a full sibling who is a year younger than he is. And um, that brother will grow up with his birth parents. And so um, one of the many things I think about, um, maybe the challenges that we'll have in raising Jack, is that um, you know he'll, he'll wonder and he'll ask me at some point, like, well, why did my baby brother, we'll just call him Henry, which is not his real name, why is Henry living with my birth mom and dad, but I'm not? And I think that will probably be really tough for him growing up to see, you know, what looks like a, a nuclear happy family, um, assuming that mom and dad stay on the right path, which I'm super hopeful they will. 
and uh, maybe to have some animosity or some anger or confusion or sadness about why he's not part of that. You know, why did uh, my birth mom and dad get clean for him, but not for me? And uh, why didn't they care enough about me what they decided to fix things for him? Now, of course, as adults, we know that it's, it's not that easy. It's much more complicated. It's much more nuanced. But um, to a child, to a teenager, um, you know, even to an adult dealing with a lot of this hurt, that's how he might see it. And so it just adds another tricky layer to his story that I need to be very intentional about as he grows up. Um, but that is also a whole other episode to talk about um, all the different layers of his story that we'll need to tell him and make sure that he um, understands as he gets older and as the time is right. So um, fast forward, we finalized his adoption in May, as I said, then we moved into a great big huge house. (laughs) We are in a four bedroom sprawling house now with a giant fenced in backyard. And we got this house intentionally because it is the perfect house to raise a big family, which is terrifying. (laughs) Um, You know, I went from four years ago, not ever wanting a child permanently to now getting a house specifically to have a giant family inside of it. And it's still just me. I don't have a partner. Um, So that's a little scary thinking about all of the responsibility and all of the work and all of the heavy lifting that falls on just me to have that big family. So we're, um, we're in a nice little rhythm and routine right now. It's just been Jack and I, um, for about a year, um, baby Henry, uh, was moved foster homes to a different foster home, uh, around Christmas. So almost a year he's, he's been gone and it's just been Jack and myself. And we sort of like that routine. It's been nice to give Jack lots of attention. It's been nice that I've been getting a little bit more rest than I've been used to the past uh, three and a half years. Um, it's been a really good routine. I've also changed jobs. So it's it's nice to have everything really stable and fairly easy, as easy as solo parenting a toddler can ever be while I've been adjusting to all of these new changes at work. But we're ready to grow again. And so I think around May, around the springtime of 2020, we will be adding to our family. Um, And in addition to looking at foster care and uh, potentially adopting through foster care, if the situation would present itself, we are also evaluating private adoptions, which is a whole new world and just as complex as adopting through foster care but with a completely different set of nuances and rules and considerations and expenses. So we're really open about how our family grows, um, but we do want our family to grow. Um, And we've also been thinking about adopting a teenager too. So that's another thing that we're adding into this mix and figuring out the timing of all of that. Um, that's, that's the really cool and unique and weird thing about growing a family through adoption is typically... If you're a family who is having kids the old-fashioned way, you don't have the consideration of, hmm, you know, honey, do you want to make a teenager tonight or should we like make a baby, right? Like you make a baby, you always get a baby and the babies grow up. Um, But 
with adoption, you can decide, oh, well, maybe we'll have a teenager. And then maybe the year after that, we'll have a baby. And then maybe we'll have a, a 10-year-old. And then maybe we'll have a toddler, right? Like you can sort of create these birth orders and this family the way that you want to. And that's really exciting, but it's really scary. And there's so much to consider with that. Um, there's a lot of talk in foster care and adoption circles about maintaining birth order of the first child. So some people think that it's really important that the first child you have, whether that's a biological child or an adoptive child, kind of maintains their birth order as you add to the family. So this would mean that Jack being an only child um, would stay the oldest child uh, as we grow our family. So I would always adopt or foster younger than Jack's current age. Um, or if you had a family where you had three kids, you know, your oldest kid would always be your oldest kid, your youngest kid would always be your youngest kid, and I guess the middle kid is just kind of screwed, as all middle kids are. Um, and uh, I, you know, there are conflicting opinions on that, just like there are conflicting opinions in anything in foster care. So um, I take that with a grain of salt, but it's just one of the many things to consider as we are expanding our family. And then there's also thinking about childcare. So if we did expand um, with a baby, whether um, it's via foster care, foster care or a private adoption, we need to think about childcare. And childcare is so expensive, you guys. It is insane. Um, and Jack will, fingers crossed, be attending this really fantastic um, private school in town uh, this time next year. And that school is incredible. And they produce such smart and kind and socially conscious learners. But that comes with a price. <laughs> and just, you know, kind of doing the, the budget spreadsheets of thinking about, okay, if I add another one, uh, how do I actually make all of this work on paper is, is a tricky one. And I think I'm actually going to devote an episode just to talking about childcare because that is a huge consideration. So a lot is still in flux. All we know is that we want to grow in 2020. And um, as I mentioned in the first episode and sort of the teaser for this season, I guess you could call it a season, um, is that I feel stupid whenever I talk about planning in terms of foster care or adoption because the only thing you can control about foster care and adoption is that you cannot control it. Uh, it happens when it's going to happen. You don't have a lot of say in it. Uh, I, I could have every intention of opening my home back up in May and getting back on the call list. And I could very well get a call that day saying, okay, we have a newborn. Uh, come pick him up from the hospital. Or it could be six months. Um, if we decide to do private adoption, that could take years years um, to get matched with an infant. So uh, there's just a lot up in the air. And for somebody who is a type A planner, and for somebody who really likes control, and for someone who gets terrible anxiety when I don't know exactly what the plan is, that can be really, really, really difficult. So um, I am coping with that by doing lots of different spreadsheets. So I, I really like spreadsheets, um, which is kind of weird for me because I'm not really a right brain person, but I've got this spreadsheet and it has a million different tabs and the tabs cover every possible scenario for our family as it expands. So it's like, okay, let's say I've got Jack and a teenager. 
Now let's say I've got Jack and a newborn from foster care and then Jack and a newborn through a private adoption. And then it will go through all of the childcare options I would have for those types of children. Um, do I get a live-in au pair? Do I get a live-out nanny? Do we do daycare? Does Jack go to a private school? Does Jack go to a, uh, a township or a charter or a public school where I don't have to pay for it? And it's just like uh, a million different combinations that I'm considering. So, phew, it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to consider. And I can't help but wishing that I had a partner to do all of this with. Um as I'm putting together those spreadsheets and and part of those spreadsheets, really the main part of those spreadsheets is looking at the finances of it all. I just, every time I look at it, I'm like, man, all of this would be 50% off if I had a partner. Instead of daycare costing $1,600 a month, it would only be $800 a month. Oh my God, that would be amazing. Um, So just for those of you who have partners, I know that there are hard things about having a partner too. I mean, trust me, I have enough friends who whine about, whine about their marriages that I know it's not all like rainbows and unicorns and puppies. But man, just just the ability to have a second income. Um, oh God, that would be incredible. So incredible. I fantasize about that. Those are, those are my mom fantasies now. I'm like, oh my God, he could buy a pack of diapers. That's so hot. Um, so anyway, that's, that's what's going on with our family. So, um, we have been, uh, really enjoying our open adoption with Jack's birth family. So, um, part of their, uh, process of, uh, granting us, um, the ability to adopt Jack of, of voluntarily giving over their parental rights was that we negotiated an open adoption with them. And it's really important to us that they know that they are really valuable in our lives and that we are having an open adoption, not because we feel like we have to, or because we felt like um, we just needed to do it to move forward with adopting Jack, but because you know, I do think it's the best thing for Jack and I do think it will make him the happiest, healthiest um, kid and adult in the future if he can have a really loving relationship with everybody that was involved in in his creation, right? So that's been really great. We see birth mom and dad um, once a month, about once a month. And we even see some of um, the extended birth family. In fact, we got to go to the birthday party of baby Henry, his first birthday party um, over the summer. And so we got to see all of Jack's biological cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents. And uh, it was just there were a lot of emotions. <laughs> I'm sure there were a lot of emotions for them. I'm like, I'm choking up just telling you about this, but there were also a lot of emotions for me uh, during that visit. And that is also another episode where I will just talk about the emotions of an open adoption, but it's going well. I mean, it's going as well as you can possibly imagine. And frankly, it's going even better than that. Um, but, you know, I don't want to be naive about it. I know that we have this relationship that we'll have to navigate for the next 16 years of Jack's life and practically speaking, uh, much longer than that. And there are going to be some ups and downs, I'm sure. And there are going to be things I do that make them mad. And there are going to be things that they do that make me mad. And there are going to be times where we are resentful or jealous or 
confused or hurt or scared or worried or happy or grateful. It's just, it's everything, right? But I always try to look at it through the eyes of and the lens of what is best for Jack. If it's uncomfortable for me, if it's annoying for me, if it's inconvenient for me, that I can work around and deal with. But what I really keep my eyes fixed on is what is in the best interest of Jack. And I think if we all look at that relationship through that lens, then it'll be okay, right? It'll all be okay. So that is what's going on with us, guys. Um, I'm really excited to think about listening to this episode a year from now and thinking like, oh man, you had no idea what was about to happen. Uh, that's that's the cool thing about foster care and the, the cool thing about adoption is you just don't know. You never know. There's always a surprise. There's always uh, an unknown child out there that's either out there right now or is about to be out there in this world right now that is going to be connected to you and have a piece of your heart. Um, And maybe it would just be for a few weeks or days or months and and maybe it'll be forever. But um, it's just an incredible gift to not know and to have all of these surprises in life. So um, I'm excited to look back at this and be like, God, you were so dumb. You had no idea what was happening. You were planning all these different scenarios and you just didn't know what was around the corner. So that is really, really exciting. So anyway, that is what we're up to in the Friedland household. It has been a really busy, um, event-filled year uh, or two or three, and uh, looking forward to filling this house up with more kiddos. So next time we talk, I think we're going to talk about navigating the world of an open adoption, and I'll share our experiences so far in the um four months that we've had an open adoption um, and and talk about what my fears are in the future. And it will probably be the first episode where I'm going to cry. That's the other weird thing that happened since I've become a mother is that I cry all the time. I was never really a crier before I had kids. And then there is something about as cliched as this sounds, and I would roll my eyes so hard at this if you know, childless me was listening to this four years ago, but there is something about the love. See, I'm going to cry already. (laughs) There's something about the love you have for your child that is so deep and you feel it in a way that no matter how much you love your husband or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, it's like, it's more than you can imagine. And I just think it like grew my little tiny Grinch heart and uh, tapped into all of these powerful emotions that I just wasn't feeling before. Um, also I stopped taking my Zoloft (laughs) like a year ago. So maybe it's just the fact that I, I wasn't feeling them because of pharmaceuticals, but, um, but I cry all the time now. I cry when I'm happy. I cry when I'm sad. I cry when I see something funny. Like it's just, everything makes me cry. And so I am sure that when I talk about the open adoption, I will cry so much. I'm sure that there will be so many episodes where you'll be like, why, why is she crying? Like she's talking about nail polish. Like, why is she crying right now? And there'll be something like, you guys just don't get it. It's so beautiful. Uh, it's a liability guys. It's kind of a liability to cry this much. 
So anyway, um, that is, that's the latest here. Next time we'll talk open adoption. As usual, if there's a question you have, if there is a topic you want me to discuss, if there's a perspective you'd like to give, let me know. Elizabeth.Friedland at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram at efriedland and let me know and I will try to address it in the future.